with Pastor Mark Job. God, I want to wake up to the life you've called me to. God, I don't want to live my life leaving you on the outside. When I call myself a Christian, I want to make you a part of my everyday life. I don't want to live as a Christian in a lukewarm state, God. I want to live in the center where you called me to be. Welcome again to Moody Presents. Our program features the Bible teaching of Mark Job. Moody Bible Institute president and founding pastor of New Life Community Church in Chicago. I'm John Geiger, and you know, today is the final message in Mark's series, Deeper Beyond Shallow Spirituality. And we hope this message around the letter to the church at Laodicea serves as something of a wake-up call to you and helps you recognize the warning lights flashing in your spiritual life. If you'd like to hear any of the messages in this series again, a quick reminder, they're all available on demand at our website, moodypresents.org. That's moodypresents.org. And now, here's Pastor Mark taking us to Revelation chapter 3. It seems like every year in Chicago, there's some family that goes to bed unsuspectingly And because of some malfunction in their heating system, this odorless, imperceivable gas begins to seep out into the house. And while they are sleeping, it begins to penetrate their mind and their senses. It begins to knock them into subconsciousness. And when they're sleeping, they never wake up. And someone finds them the next day dead because of this odorless, invisible enemy has invaded their household. You see, pride is that odorless, invisible enemy that can destroy our spirit and our soul. What pride tells you is this. Pride says, I don't need anybody. Pride says, I am self-sufficient, self-confident, self-contained. I don't need anybody. I don't have to get help from anything or anyone because I can handle all my issues on my own. That's pride. And when it comes to God, when it comes to God, pride is the ultimate insult to the grace and power of God. When you see someone proud, you'll see someone that doesn't pray very much because why do they need to go to God when they can handle 90% of the problems on their own? You see, the problem with wealth is that it gives us a certain degree. The problem with material possessions is it gives us a certain degree of insulation, a certain degree of thinking that we're safe and okay. Uh, Visit some countries that have less wealth than America and you'll find a humility there that does not exist in this country because people are poorer, because they know hunger. When I was in Mozambique, Africa, I saw a lot less pride because I'd walk into people's huts, dirt floors, people that were hungry, dying of malaria or AIDS. Uh, People that the average length of life is 40 years old. When you realize that you lack, you have a tendency of being less proud. 
when you think that you have resources and you think you can buy things and you think that you're okay, you tend to be a little bit more proud. But, but strip someone of all of the uh, resources they, they have and strip someone of the false sense of the security that materialism gives and sometimes you'll see someone suddenly crumble and acknowledge their need for God, but it only happens oftentimes when we're stripped of our false sense of security. This church, the church of Laodicea, was living in denial. James chapter 4 verse 6 says, but he gives more grace. That's why scripture said God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. You see, our pride makes it hard for us to come to an altar and say, I need prayer, I need God. Because pride tells us, what are other people going to think, that I got problems? That I have issues? I mean, I may go up and pray, and people may think, oh, this person, look, yeah, of course, they got problems. I... Pride makes us, during worship time, have a hard time expressing our devotion to God, especially men. I've had men tell me I've been in a worship service, and, 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 and tears started coming down to my eyes, and I fought them, and I, I didn't want anybody to see that I was weak. I didn't want anybody to know that inside it was hitting me. Why? Pride. Admit that I have issues. Admit that I need help. Admit that there's weakness within my soul and spirit and heart. Pride causes us to never want to say I'm sorry because it's admitting I was wrong. Pride causes you to excuse the issues around you. Pride causes you not to say, I'm sorry, will you forgive me, I was wrong, because pride thinks that it's never wrong. It wants the other person to apologize because it's always the other person's fault. Listen, spiritual pride takes away our fervency, our desire, our hunger to pray, to worship, to get into the word, to be there, to acknowledge our need of God because spiritual pride says you're okay, you can handle it on your own. The first thing is that we break the denial mindset and admit our spiritual condition. Secondly, he goes on to say in verse 18, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in fire so that you can become rich and white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. This is interesting language because Jesus, the Spirit of God, is saying to this church, I counsel you, I give you advice that you need to buy from me. He uses the language of, of, of commercial language, the language of trade that they understood. To buy from you? And they would throw up their arms and say, what can you give us? What do we need to buy from you that we don't already have? Look, the three things that they were most proud of was their gold, their wool, and their medicine. And what do we need from you, God, that we don't already have? He, God says to him, the Spirit of God says to him, the three things that you're proud of the most really won't get you anywhere. 
Because you need something more than what you have. Listen to me. You need something more than what you have. He says, your gold, I'm going to tell you something about your gold. The gold that you have is not going to last. You need to buy real gold. Real gold that's refined by fire. You see, the thing about fire is that fire burns things and purifies things. Listen, there are people during this economic collapse and, and crunch that we've had in this nation, there have, been, there have been people that have committed suicide because the wealth that they had accumulated as they saw the stock market plunge, their entire worth and value and identity was in what they had and they saw all their security go, so they thought life is not worth living. One man killed his entire family and then took a revolver to his head and shot himself. Another man was in the news not too long ago where he took a plane, tried to, tried to fake his own death. Remember that? You see, suddenly, when people start losing things, they start realizing what I had my confidence in, really. What I, what I had my identity and confidence in wasn't as confident as I thought it was. Let me tell you something about security and material wealth and cars and possessions and health that you have and career that you have. All of that is temporary and all of that is subject, is subject. It could be here in a moment and be gone the next moment. I may talk to a man and a man may say, I don't care how the economy goes because I got a strong back. As long as I have a strong back, as long as I have my health, I can do that. I'm to tell you something. You know, health can go in a moment, too. Health can go in a moment. All it takes is a car accident. All it takes is a, is a visit to the hospital when you're diagnosed with some sort of form of cancer or heart disease. All it takes is a moment. Listen, you may think that you're healthy as a bull, but I've done funerals of people that thought they were healthy and had a long time to live. Listen, your health... Your health is not invulnerable. You say, oh, Pastor, you don't know. See, I, got my, I got my wealth put away. I got a, I got a couple houses. I got, I got some pension. I got, you know, all that is good. But you know, all it takes is a couple turns, a couple turns in the stock market, a couple bad investments, thing, a couple turns in the economy that you have no control over to lose much of what you have. All it takes is a little like that. That's all it takes. And what God says to these people is, hey, hey, your gold, you need real gold. Gold that lasts into eternity. Gold that you have that when you die, you can carry it with you because this is not the gold of the mineral type. This is gold of works of your life, of something that values, something that's inside of you that no one can take away from you. And he says, I counsel you to buy from me white clothes to wear. See, they were proud of their clothes. They were proud of their mercantile textile industry. And he says, hey, the clothes that you have that you're proud of, you need real clothes, the clothes of my righteousness, the clothes that covers your shame and your nakedness, not the pearly white clothes you have, not the dresses that 
that you have, not the latest fashions that you have that you're so proud of, but you need to clothe yourself with something that'll last more than that, something that covers your shame, something that covers your nakedness, something that covers your sin. It's my righteousness and my forgiveness that can clothe you. And then he says, I counsel you to buy ointment to put on your eyes. Oh, they were so proud of their ointment. They were so proud of their healing power. And he says, I, want, I counsel you to buy the ointment that only I can give you. You see, if you put this ointment on your eyes, then you'll really be able to see. He's talking about their spiritual eyes really being open. In essence, what he's telling them is the very things that right now you have all your confidence in. He says, you need to realize that ultimately, listen to me, oh, if I could preach this, I wish I could. Look up at me for a second. You need to realize that ultimately what you really need, what you really desire, what can really fill you is not found in anything down here. It's found in only what God can give to your life. Well, it's true, many of us feel like we don't have a thirst for God, quite honestly, right? And God wants you to respond to His gentle discipline, not His harsh discipline. Maybe you're going down the wrong road, ignoring the wake-up call. Is that you? Well, God will eventually catch your attention and bring you to the point where you ask God why. And sometimes it's in crisis. God is knocking on the door of your heart. He wants to commune with you and to be a part of your life. For helpful resources that can get you back on track, go to moodypresents.org, moodypresents.org. There you'll find a link to Moody Publishers, to Today in the Word devotional, and all of our past programs. Again, begin at moodypresents.org. Now, here's Pastor Mark. Many of us feel like we have no hunger or thirst for God. You say, well, Pastor Mark, I wish I had more hunger for God. I wish I had more desire to seek Him and worship Him and pray, but I don't. I don't know why it's not there. I mean, I go to church because I know I should, so I drag myself in here, but I'm not really into it. I don't really have a hunger to get into the Word during the week. I don't have a hunger to worship. I barely pray. I mean, I know I should, and there's a guilt inside of me that says, you need to pray more. You need to talk to God more. You need to witness. And I know all the things that I should because I've been taught that I should do those things, but I have no desire to do them. I have no hunger to do them. I have no... No, nothing inside of me that says, yeah, I really want to do this. I don't know what my problem is. I know what your problem is. You see, I know that just like your physical body, without food, you're hungry. You were meant to hunger for food because it gives you nutrients. And when you don't have food, you get hungry inside. It's just natural. No one has to teach you to be hungry. When you don't eat, you get hungry. Like some of you are already hungry right now, saying, okay, Pastor Lewis, eat. <laughs> Unless you only lose your appetite when you fill yourself on stuff that is not nutritional but fills your stomach. 
Try this right before it's mealtime. Get a big, big, big bag of popcorn and eat it. Now, we all know that popcorn doesn't have a lot of nutritional value, but you know it fills you up. And so after you're filled on junk food, a bunch of popcorn, you, someone puts a steak in front of you or some other uh, bowl of salad or broccoli or whatever it is, and you're like, nah, what's the matter? You're not hungry? No, I, just, I don't know. I just don't have an appetite. I'm sure you had an appetite. You had an appetite, but you filled yourself on junk food. And you know that junk food is not nutritional to your system, but what it does is it placates your hunger. It satisfies your hunger with a substitute. But in reality, it's not what you need. So, so you have no hunger for the real stuff because you're full of junk food, cheap substitutes. Let me tell you, you have a hunger for God. There is a hunger inside of you for the things of God, the purpose and the destiny, the communion, the intimacy. You, have, you were created to hunger for God. You were engineered to desire God. You were created from the foundation of the earth for something inside of you to say, I am not complete until I have God. Pascal said it, everybody has a God-shaped vacuum inside. When you do not have a relationship, fulfilling, intimate relationship with God, you you hunger for something. The problem is a lot of us, when we hunger, you're going to a relationship and trying to have a relationship. Fill up your soul and have a man satisfy you and fill you and love you. But it's only like popcorn. You go away from that and you feel hungry. You want more. You're trying to drain it out of them. Fill me, fill me. But it feels like it's unsatisfying because in reality, you want a man to give you what only God can give you. Some of you men are looking for significance. You're looking for a purpose, a mission. You're looking for, for that which will fulfill your life. And so you're climbing the corporate ladder. You're trying to get more titles under your belt. And you're trying to accumulate more toys. And you have this drive that's pushing you forward. I want to succeed. I want to do something. But in reality, what you don't understand is that that drive within you is the drive to be what God has called you to be. The drive within you is to be, to live on purpose with the mission, the significance that God has called you to. You're driven and you're throwing it into other things and you climb that ladder and when you reach that pedestal, all you have is the next pedestal in front of you because in reality what you need is God. Deep inside, the greatest, deepest longing of your heart can only be satisfied in that which is eternal, in that which comes from the hand of God and the heart of God, ultimately. Then he says to them, those whom I love I rebuke and discipline, so be earnest and repent. You see, what God is saying, I love this about the heart of God, what he's saying is, I love you. I love you. And I'll let you go down this path, and he's talking to believers. Mind you, he's talking to people that are believers. Call themselves Christians. He said, I'll let you go down this path, but I'm gonna rebuke you. I'm gonna discipline you. 
And the further you go down the path, the higher I'm going to crank up my discipline. Because what God wants to do is he wants you to respond to his gentle discipline, not to his harsh discipline. I have three kids. When they're going down doing something that I don't think they should be doing or something that I've trained them not to do, I try to be gentle the first time around. No, 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 I, no remember, you're not supposed to. But if they don't respond, it cranks up a level. Remember, I said, don't. Here's the consequences. The consequences go, okay, now you have a discipline. Here's your consequences. If that doesn't work next time around, we're going to crank up the consequences. Why? Because the desire is that the pain of it will be sharp enough to say, let me turn around from this way. I don't want to go that way. Listen, the Spirit of God is working on some of you, giving you that inner wake-up call. And he said, no, go in a different direction. And you've ignored it. Now he's cranked it up a little bit so it's come to you in full volume. Hey, that's not the way. Turn around from it. It's not your destiny, yet you ignore it. And he's brought other people to talk to you, other people that realize that you're going down the wrong road, and they've said, hey, that's not you. Why are you going down that road? Hey, listen, it's a wake-up call, and you still ignored it. So then the discipline of God has to come in. So God has to do things from the outside to wake you up, things that will catch your attention, things that will make you pause and say, why is this happening? And if we still resist and resist and resist, finally God will bring us to a point where we have no ultimatum but to look up and say, God, why? And sometimes it's in the form of crisis. I can guarantee you before it came to that major crisis, God was gently trying many, many ways to get your attention, many, many ways to try to wake you up, many, many ways to try to, but you know what? God loves you too much to let you keep going on. God will bring circumstance. He'll turn your world upside down if he has to. He'll turn your world upside down if you need to. And then when you're finally on your back looking up to the heavens and say, God, I come to you, I cry out to you, then finally the first time in years there's a humility and a willingness to call out to God because in your pride you've resisted him. And finally, finally, you're saying, I need you, God. Oh, it's not a mean God. It's the loving, gentle discipline of God. It's his mercy is loving kindness that draws us. How do I know that? Look at the next verse. Look what it says, which is my last point. Verse 20. Referring to Jesus, it says, Here I am. I stand at the door of what? The door of your heart. And I knock. If any man hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and I will eat with him and he with me. Listen, what is he saying? He's saying to the believer, the person that already considers themselves a Christian, hey, you've shut me out of your life in your lukewarmness. You've pushed me to the side and now I'm at the outside of your house and I'm knocking. I'm trying to get your attention. I'm calling out to you. Hey, I'm here. Open up. And some of you are keeping me on the outside. 
You think if I let you in, you think if you let me in, I'm gonna turn over the tables, rearrange things, rebuke you, but what I really want is I wanna eat with you. What he's saying to you, I know you have ears, but are you hearing me? I know you're hearing my words, but do you hear my message? If you hear my message, has it connected with your heart? Has that alarm clock resonated? Has it made noise that's waking you up and saying, God, I don't want to be asleep anymore? Honest and probing and transparent all at the same time, Dr. Mark Job here on Moody Presents. I'm wondering if this message has been a unique wake-up call to you. Well, don't leave God on the outside. Maybe you've come to realize for the first time that you are not right with God, but you'd like to be. You'd like to have Jesus at the center, Jesus as your Savior. It's a Bible word. It means rescuer. And we can help you right now with a simple prayer. There's no magic in my words or this prayer, but if this is the intent of your heart, if this is what you want, God will know and God will understand. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, I don't want you on the outside. I want you in the center and I want you to be in charge of my life. Please forgive me for messing up, for going my own way, for sinning. And would you please not only forgive me, but make me right with God. Would you be in charge of my life from this day forward? I'm asking you in faith, Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, this is a conversation you can continue online at chataboutjesus.org. That's chataboutjesus.org. Now, if you do know Jesus, could it be that you have foundational spiritual skills in your life that have maybe faded over time? Well, Mark Job will address this issue and offer a jump start to overcoming that problem next time as we begin a brand new series on Moody Presents titled Bullseye Living, Staying on Target with God. I'm John Gager, and Moody Presents is a production of Moody Radio, a ministry of Moody Bible Institute.